0: Hello everybody and welcome back to Still No Plan. Today we have Sarah Yudkin, a relationship anxiety coach and Autumn and I are super excited for this episode. This is something we've both kind of struggled on and off with. As you all know, we have both been in four-year relationships um, and it's an interesting age to be in a long-term relationship and you don't always feel like your peers are in the same place as you. So We are both super excited to talk to Sarah, ask her all of our burning questions um, and just get into this topic. It's very, very important. So hi, Sarah, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hello. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here.
0: We, like I said, are so, so excited for this conversation. I would love to just kick it off. I don't know how many of our listeners are aware of like this concept or this term. So I'd love to just start right away with your definition of relationship anxiety.
1: Yeah, definitely. So in simplest terms, it's having doubts about a relationship, but kind of to add some more context, usually it's a loving, supportive relationship and it really is confusing to have the doubts because you might be in such a great relationship with someone that you really want things to work with. But thoughts will pop up like, how can I be sure they're the one or is this the right decision? And what if things don't work out? And it can be really just confusing, like you said, especially in the time of your life, if you're supposed to be trying to find that one, or if you see your friends getting engaged and you're starting to question, how can I be sure this is the right choice for me? So that's a little bit of how it kind of plays out uh, for many of my clients.
2: For me, I know that I've had relationship anxiety my whole relationship, the whole time, but it wasn't something I ever talked about friends with until probably just like a year and a half ago when I found out that other people struggle with this because I was scared that it was going to be like a reflection of the relationship because so many people out there are like oh it's perfect like we're so happy and they post on the internet and you just like you never really know and um, so I'm just wondering like when did you realize that this was something that you struggled with and that it was like okay to struggle with and how did you kind of come to terms with that?
1: Oof, Yeah. So I would say (laughs) right when things started getting really serious with Nate, my boyfriend, is when the thoughts crept in. So my parents got a divorce and my friends were starting to get engaged at that time. And like you, I was hearing all great things about their engagements or like there wasn't any doubts or questioning. So it made me then in turn question more of if this was something that was normal or if anyone else felt this way. So I would say about 1 year in um that's when it kind of hit me and now I'm 6 years in so it was for the majority of my relationship that this was a factor. I want to acknowledge that whether your anxiety started at the beginning or 1 year later or 10 years later it doesn't mean that any of them are better or worse it's just unique to your situation but when it kind of came to a head. One day I broke down and told Nate that I wasn't sure I loved him the same way anymore. And this was in the middle of summer, 2020, the world was in chaos. I wasn't working. There was a lot of stress building up in my life. And then it kind of all came out and focused on Nate really. So that's kind of when I realized something needed to change and in that moment, he was actually so supportive, which I was like, how can someone even do that? Like, I would never be okay with someone telling me that, but he somehow was able to be the steady ship that he mostly is and really supported me. So that's when I started this journey to kind of understand what was going on. And I only really felt okay about it, honestly, when I realized how many other people were following along and started reaching out and being like, this is something that I experienced too, or when I first just came across people even mentioning it, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't something I came to on my own accord. It was
0: once I felt normal or not crazy. So how did you, or I would say, it sounds like that maybe first conversation, you didn't approach it the way that you necessarily (laughs) would now with all of the information that you have. So (laughs) now that you have like studied this, learned so much about it, heard from so many different people, how do you, or do you think you need to communicate with your partner when you're feeling these doubts and these anxieties?
1: Mm, Yeah. Great question. I have a blog post on this called telling your partner about relationship anxiety. So there's actually like a script on there that people can use or get inspiration from. But I think one of the first things I say in that blog post and I'll say here is why are you wanting to share? Because that kind of, affects the energy of the conversation so one way that you can do it is kind of what I did which was like dump everything I had been bottling up on Nate and kind of hold him responsible in some senses for like making me feel better I mean looking back obviously I can see that more clearly but in the moment I just really needed to release everything I was feeling um, and there's nothing wrong with that I, I mean we shouldn't be feeling like we have to hide things necessarily in our relationship but it is a sensitive subject and we don't know how it will go over. So I think understanding, are you trying to connect more with your partner? Are you trying to help them understand you? Are you trying to actually like build a more sturdy foundation for the relationship or do you feel guilt and you're like trying to just, you know, avoid that guilt. So that's where I start having people just question to themselves and there's no, again, right or wrong answer, but just knowing that and, also trying to understand relationship anxiety a little bit more before you share it with them because for me the focus was completely on Nate. I don't know if I love you anymore and so this is why I'm anxious whereas now three years later I might have said something like relationships are scary and by proximity being in relationship with you even though it's not your responsibility for my anxiety I feel anxious and it makes me scared and a lot of fears come up and they latch on to you, even though I've realized they're actually not necessarily related to you. So that's actually master level relationship anxiety insight, I think. And unfortunately, it takes a while to get there. But if you hear about it, then maybe it makes sense to you. And you're like, okay, maybe I shouldn't blame my partner, but I should just let them know like the fears and the overwhelm that I'm experiencing so they can support me through it versus being responsible.
2: Mm -hmm. that concept of like blaming your partner for your relationship anxiety I so relate to but like on a similar but different way and that for me when my mental health is not as good like when work is hard or I don't know when I'm feeling lonely in my friendships or if something like if things aren't perfect in my life the first thing I do is blame my relationship and I think it's like the one thing I can control so I'm like well, maybe if I just break up, everything will be better <laughs> because mm-hmm. and so I'm wondering, do you still struggle with that now? Have you ever struggled? Is that like, do you relate to that? Is that where you're coming from?
1: Yeah, I can relate to that. And I think that ties into a relationship myth where it's like our partner is responsible for making us happy. And so it's a slippery slope when we have that expectation, because if they're responsible for making us happy, then they're also responsible when we're not happy. And it's probably from rom-coms and relationship goals, culture, and, you know, find your knight in shining armor and your soulmate, like will make everything better and carefree. And, you know, the narrative has never really been take responsibility for your life and like, you know, make yourself happy. And then also have a partner who does the same. It's more of like, oh, relationships will be the cure all to get rid of your worries and troubles. But of course, that's not always the case. So I think that you have a great point that when your mental health is off or like when you're not really feeling, feeling, excuse me, fully fulfilled or things are not quote, quote in place, it's easy to blame the relationship as kind of a first um, window of control, if you will.
2: I think that's so interesting that we've shifted in our culture to this mindset that like you're partner in your relationship should be the best thing in your life and it should be the most fulfilling relationship in your life because we've talked about this before on our podcast but like just like a couple maybe 150 years ago people weren't marrying for love like people a lot of people weren't in love a lot of people were not happy and they were just like two people cohabitating for like status or money or whatever it was never really marriage was never really a function of love you were like lucky if that was the case and so it's crazy that now we've shifted so far to this like other end of the spectrum where it's like you should only have this and they should only they should be everything for you when like before that was like so if you told someone that was like 100 years old this they'd be like oh that's crazy you're crazy you know like that's not how it works
1: Exactly. I feel like we went from one extreme to the next where it was like your relationship is merely just like a business transaction. And now Mm -hmm. it's so focused on being that romantic love connection. But then we place so much weight on it. And I don't know if you guys have read Mating in Captivity by Esther Perel. But yeah, that book is incredible. But I love I'm going to butcher the exact quote. But she says, like, we look to one person now for what we used to look for a whole community or village like connection friendship excitement like whatever all the things that we now turn to our partner for so I think that's a really wise observation that there's just such a high bar and then it's really hard to live up to that and when you flip it around it's actually really hard like as us us three to be that for someone else too so (laughs) when you think of it in those terms it's like well I don't want to be responsible for someone else's like well-being And I don't want them to be responsible for mine either.
0: And it's also interesting because a lot of times I have seen like early in relationships when it's very intoxicating and like, so and like you're just so in love with this human or like obsessed, I don't know. Like you're just like so excited about this new relationship. You almost cut off the other needs that you have in your life. And so then that person is the only need you have. And eventually like over time, you're going to start craving female friendship and all of these other things. And you're going to realize that like there's gaps in your life and not be able to identify them. So that's so interesting. I loved Mating in Captivity by Esther Perel. I'm also reading Marry Him, um, a really great new book if you have not read that, but I'm interested like what, how, and I've seen in your content, sometimes you talk about like you shouldn't be assigning right or wrong to anything, um, but for the purposes of this exercise how do you identify like healthy doubts versus unhealthy doubts or like valid concerns versus just spinning out
1: yeah no it's a great question and i would say in this context there is some level of like wanting to know what does feel right for a person or not so i think that this question the right or wrong piece might not apply as much but the strictness of like being a perfect relationship like is this the only potential right one that's where i think people get anxious um but i do have a a framework that i kind of walk people through and it's kind of identifying is this anxiety or is this incompatibility To me, incompatibilities are more geared towards if your values or your life vision or your hard and fast boundaries, if you can't find a way to accept or respect the differences between you and a partner or partners, then it's going to be really hard to work through that such a classic example. I feel like I've used this a lot, but like, if you want to have kids and your partner knows they don't want to, it's like, there's just no compromise. That's actually going to be good for the relationship. Um, so that's like one example, or if, um, you know, for a lifestyle example, like if one person, really wants to travel the world like that's like their dream and the other person doesn't want to even leave their city that doesn't mean it's a deal breaker but like if you want to travel together then it's just it's like these types of things you can't change someone's preferred lifestyle or their values they have to want to change those things on their own so if that type of incompatibility shows up and it feels just like there's absolutely no wiggle room on either side, that's where I start just being like, okay, well, you might want to consider some of that. Um, on the flip side, some things that I think people worry make a relationship wrong, but they not, aren't necessarily are personality differences or when you get irritated with your partner or when they have flaws and imperfections. It's like, Those things are going to be present in, I would say, almost every single relationship because you're not going to be with your clone. And so naturally there's going to be differences and those differences might irritate you and that person isn't going to be perfect. So I think those are triggers of the anxious mind that are hard sometimes to accept like, oh, well, they're just so different than me. Like, how is this ever going to work? But no matter who you're with, even if it's someone that's more similar than you, there's always going to be a slight gap. So it's about how can I find more acceptance and tolerance for this difference? And if I absolutely can't, then okay, maybe that's a sign. But have you actually really tried to accept it? Or are you just expecting everyone to act, think, feel exactly how you would in a certain dynamic? So that's kind of what comes to mind for me. I break that down even more in my webinar. Is it anxiety or incompatibility? So if people want to actually go through the framework, um, they can find that in my bio, but I feel like that's the basics of it. And people hopefully can at least get like a sense for what that would look like for them.
2: Mm -hmm. I know something that I struggled with was like anxiety or intuition, like Mm -hmm. And people have told me like, oh, well, you'll know the difference because intuition is supposed to have like a neutral feeling and it's not supposed to have an emotion attached to it. It will just mm-hmm. like come to you. But my anxiety is so good, so strong <laughs> that it will, it will be like, okay, let's have a low heart rate and we're going to throw out, break up with him. And, yeah. and I'm like, well, it kind of sounded like like, like neutral, and so then I spy, but, and so it's hard to like, you know, di- decipher. So it sounds like I should sign up for, for your webinar for sure. <laughs> Something, I love that concept of like otherness though, or like accepting the difference just because I don't know if you've, I love Esther Perel. I don't know if you've watched couples therapy with Dr. Oh my, what's her name? Orna. I don't know her last yeah. name, but so, so amazing. And she talks about a lot, like all relationship problems are basically like accepting that your partner is other, like accepting they have a different experience and like different perceptions and whatever. And that is like the root of the cause. And so you're going to have that problem with any relationship. Like it's never going to not exist. Same with relationship anxiety. I know I've come to terms with the fact that like, that's just something that I need to navigate on my own. And it's going to be in my next relationship, if I, if I ended this one, it would be, it would follow me to the next one. Something I'm, I want to talk about is, like, the concept of, like, finding the one, and when you know, you know, like, how it's hard when society, like, preaches that to you, or, like, if he wanted to, he would, like, these, like, blanket statements, so how do you, what are your tips for, like, navigating, dealing with people or friends or just like accepting comments like that? Like, how do you
1: navigate that? Yeah. So it's a great question and certain things like that, I don't think are necessarily wrong, but we've taken them on to your point as blanket statements that assume that they apply to every single person in the same way. So let me pull out one, you know, you know, as an example. So I think there's just different types of people and some of them can say that phrase and they actually do mean it. Whereas like, I don't know anything. It's like, I've joked before, like I go to the cheesecake factory (laughs) and I'm like, well, but do I get the chicken tenders or like, do I want to switch it up tonight? Like, it's just, that's not really my personality. Like I'll ask my friends, like, does this outfit look good? Like I will probably be like, help me pick my engagement ring. Like, it's like, I will be that type of person. And so it's like, are you decisive or not? Do you have high levels of trust and uncertainty? Or do you really need to like, actually know a hundred percent to be able to feel that? Or like, are you a confident person? Like, are you optimistic? It's like, that's a different type of person than someone who's like, pessimistic worried like actually introspective and thinking about all the consequences of something because no one actually knows when they're at that altar like and I don't mean to sound doomsday but like no one knows (laughs) what's gonna happen in one month a year 10 years but they still say like I just knew he was the one but it's like that I would switch that out with I'm confident And so if you're not confident, that's something you can build up, but knowing is very absolute. And I think that's, that's where I just, I I start questioning some of these phrases because they don't actually hold up sometimes. And so just knowing that a lot of these things have been kind of pushed down Societally, or like it's just something you say. And like when someone gets engaged, oh, when's the wedding? It's like that's always just this like word vomit question that people will ask you because it's just second nature. We've been programmed to think and say a lot of these things, but it's just a different world. Like we have dating apps, we have social media, like it's easy to get stuck in our head in comparison mode and not feeling hundred percent confident because we see everyone else having this perfect, amazing life. And we question that something's not perfect internally.
0: That was actually a huge uh, therapy breakthrough I had with my therapist, because I was talking about this and I was like, well, what if we get married and then we get divorced? And I spend my twenties, like my hottest years dating this man who like leaves me for a 20 year old. And she was like, what if? And I was like, what if, and she was like, what if, like, what's going to happen? Like you have no control over it. And for like a little bit, I argued with her and was like, like just trying to rationalize and control the situation. And she was like, you need to let go of your control of the outcome because you don't have control over the outcome. And the same likelihood of like that happening is like, you guys have an incredible life together and nothing goes wrong. And like, everything's wonderful. And I think you, yep. you do have no control and there is freedom in letting go of that control. And mm-hmm. the other thing that she told me is like, focus on, which is something you've mentioned that i has changed my perspective a lot is like, focus on the building blocks of your future. And if you are finding a partner who has like good building blocks that you are willing to build, like it would be very out of character for my boyfriend to like, Leave me for a girl 10 years ago <laughs> is just not his personality. Nope. And so it's like you're doing I'm taking the right steps to finding a partner who I can like mitigate risk, but I'm not in control. And I think that is so big. I want to touch on one last thing really quickly that you kind of mentioned, which is social media. I think social media is so toxic for relationships and even like ick culture. I feel like we're so in this ick culture. Um and how do you navigate like comparison and Mm -hmm. social media, just all of the noise that comes from social media and influencer couples and all of these like beautiful, happy lives that you see all the time?
1: Yeah, I'm going to, I definitely want to answer that question, but one thing you said really stood out of kind of, you have to just build those foundational blocks and move towards what's working. I think and also in response to the question of like, can I trust my intuition? Like I want to tie those loops together because both of them are really important. Um, I think that we think that in order to fully trust ourselves, we have to be certain that the outcome we're choosing will be successful. So I feel like that's a really perfectionist definition of self-trust that it's like, I have to fully trust that when you know, you know that they're the one, and then I can move forward versus I trust myself enough with my track record to be okay, no matter what happens. And that's such a relief when you're like, Ooh, okay. Like instead of needing to guarantee that this is going to work, I can trust myself enough that like, whatever happens, I'll figure it out. And it just gives you this permission slip to release a little bit of that grip for control. And then the question of, do I trust my intuition enough becomes a little less extreme because, in micro moments, like, can you look back and find ways that you were able to trust yourself and that everything turned out? Okay. So I wanted to touch on those two points. Cause I feel like those are so common and a lot of people worry, well, what could happen? Or can I really trust myself? So that new definition of self-trust to me feels a lot lighter. Um, So then let's get to the question about social and how do you kind of avoid the comparison? So it's really hard to not compare at all. I mean, it's human to compare. And I think, you know, even before social media, like if your neighbor got a new car, you might be like, oh, like I like, why'd they get something nice? Like, should I be doing that? You know, it's like part of being human to compare ourselves, So I don't want you to feel like you have to completely get rid of it. But when it comes up, noticing if it always leads to shame or if it's a little bit more inspirational. So there are couples where I'm like, whoa, like their relationship seems awesome. Like, that's great. Like, I want to learn more about that versus this couple's always like showing an edited picture of like a photo shoot. And like every single day, I just feel like shit. It's like, that's a different type of comparison. Um, so kind of just paying attention to who makes you feel what way and like controlling your intake. So that's part of it. Um, but another part of it is when you do feel that shame, you know, asking yourself, is this even something I want? first, because I can give an example about like PDA, like there's couples that are always like kissing or like, maybe there's like those viral reels where like, they're straddling each other in a hot tub and like making out, you know, (laughs) it's like, then it has all these views and people like, oh my gosh, like relationship goals. It's like those types Mm -hmm. of videos, you know, are going to have that type of response, but I think it's like, do I actually want that? Or am I just thinking that that's a better version of a relationship? Like, and is that really true? Um, Or am I really comfortable with like my cozy, snuggly vibe that we have like at home, but not needing it to be in public? Because sometimes we're comparing ourselves to something that isn't even part of our values or like part of something that we desire. So having a better filter for like, is this worth me feeling shame over or can I actually just like acknowledge that that's their thing? This is my thing and release it a little bit. But of course, it's still going to hurt sometimes. And that's where I think having, you know, like therapy, like trusted support system to talk to and like just open up about it or having some self-soothing tools is important just because the worst thing you can do in that moment is like click into their page and like go down the rabbit hole (laughs) even more. So like knowing when to like cut it off and then just take a minute to yourself and put the phone down.
2: Mm -hmm. I want to try to squeeze in one more question. (laughs) I want to talk about getting annoyed with your partner and maybe even looking forward to like alone time or like a weekend without them or something. Cause I started maybe like, I don't know, a year ago, I would start to, like, feel guilty about being annoyed and, like, oh, if I'm annoyed at him, does that mean, like, I don't like him? I don't love him? Does that mean that we're not good together? Like, I've never experienced an annoyance at him really before, or, like, if he's, like, oh, I'm hanging out with my friends this weekend, and I was, like, oh, cool, like, I wasn't upset about it, then I was, like, why am I not upset about it? Because I used to be so codependent that, I didn't, I wanted to always spend every second of the, t- of the day together. And so like growing out of that and like learning and making myself happy and like being happy on my own has brought other questions where it's like, but why, why, do, why do I not need him anymore? Like that's scary. So, um, I don't know if you have any tips, any tips on that. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Well, I want to normalize both facets of the question of like being irritated with our partner and then also wanting or craving that alone time. I think, you know, in a lot of things in life, if you have a balance, then it's great. So in in this case, a balance would be independence and dependence. You know, it doesn't always have to be codependent if you are spending a lot of time together, but, you know, relying on each other, but also relying on yourself, like self-responsibility versus relational um, responsibilities. So I think just knowing that there's an ebb and a flow to a lot of things in life, like the yin and the yang, they go together. It's not just one or the other that make that balance. So I would ask yourself maybe some of the questions you were kind of posing of like, well, why is this a problem? Like what's wrong with that? Where did I learn that? And do I want to keep believing that I shouldn't be able to have time to myself? And like, is that actually my highest self that, you know, feels I need to spend all this time with my partner? Or am I just a little scared that it means something is wrong and like practice actually being okay, spending that time and not thinking of it as time away from your partner, but time for yourself. Esther talks about that in meeting in captivity of like the relationship to yourself is not necessarily a relationship against your partner. Both of them need to coexist. So that's kind of the first part. And then the second part is like, we learned that we can't get irritated with our partner, but if you spend so much time with any person, it's like, it's just probably gonna happen. Like if you're with, I don't know, I can only speak for myself, but like if I'm visiting um, home and I'm staying with my family for like three weeks at a time and it's like the parent child dynamic, but I'm 30. So it's like, there's little frustrations that come out with that. So it's like, I love both of my parents dearly, but sometimes there's just little moments where it's like, ah, like I need my space right now. And we have this expectation that our partner is somehow supposed to be void of all of those normal human emotions. But I think just remembering that taking them off of that pedestal and like realizing that they're human and also probably that you annoy them sometimes too. So it's like just humbling ourselves a little that it's like, okay, that we can respond in those ways, even with a person we love. And it doesn't change our feelings towards them. We're allowed to also ebb and flow in that way.
2: Mm-hmm. God accepting fault for anything in the relationship is something I <laughs> struggle <laughs> with. <laughs> That's a whole other episode. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: Part two. <laughs> it's
0: funny because oh. earlier you were saying like your partner's not a clone of you and I was like oh my god if I would get annoyed with the clone of me like I know I would <laughs> anyone would annoy me. <laughs> <laughs> um but this has been incredible thank you so much for all of your knowledge and expertise uh if you, I would love for you to share like your favorite, you kind of said a couple, but your favorite resources and then also where anyone can find you and learn more from you.
1: Yeah, so one uh, resource I really love is the book Eight Dates by uh, John and Julie Gottman. And I also love all things like the Gottman Institute because they just have really great relationship insight, but the book eight dates specifically walks you through eight individual dates of topics with your partner that you can talk about, such as finances, sex, even like disagreements, like how to disagree together. It's like, there's just important pillars that made me feel much more aligned with Nate when we had those conversations. So I really like that. Um, Esther Perel, I've mentioned already is a great resource. Um, And then who else? The book Anxiety Rx is also coming to mind by Dr. Russell Kennedy. Um, He talks a lot about how to actually like tap into the body to soothe your anxiety. And that's a really good way of thinking about it. Cause sometimes we try to think our way out instead of actually like allowing ourselves to feel the hard feelings. So that's the resources I'm thinking of top of mind. And then as far as people finding me On you love and you learn.com. That's my website, or my Instagram and TikTok are at you love and you learn. And I have a handful of free and paid resources that people can dive into if they want to explore this more.
0: Yeah, she has incredible resourcing. I can say, like, whenever I'm feeling stress or doubt, I just like scroll through all your content and, like, that's my self soothing behavior. (laughs) So (laughs) it really, it really is amazing. Like, if you like this conversation, so many free resources out there. Um, Thank you so much, Sarah, for joining us today. This was incredible. And for our listeners next week, Autumn and I are going to talk through our personal experiences with relationship anxiety and our relationship and kind of do a book club on this conversation. So (laughs) listen in for that. Um, But yeah, Sarah, thank you so much. This has been wonderful.
1: Yes. Thank you ladies for having me.